Ivor Avail. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Okay, so our topic is Hakpada. What is Hakpada? Hakpada is internalized anger and resentment. And the Torah gives us a lot of tools for how to work on it and to rise above it. And of course, the Torah has many, many mitzvahs that basically tell us that it's not allowed because we know we're not allowed to bear a grudge. We're not allowed to hate another person in our heart. But Sevek Tishpot Amisacha, you're supposed to judge another person with righteousness. Um, it's not always about being right. It's about being righteous. Mm-hmm. and um, many other laws that basically let us know that we are not allowed to walk around with internalized anger and resentment. So just as a disclaimer, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist. You know, any issues that are very deep and difficult and long and have hardened inside are not in my purview, but in terms of just teaching um, a lot of wonderful ideas about what we can do to create better relationships and instead of pouring the poison for somebody else and then ending up drinking it ourselves, how we can get past that and uh, have happier lives. So generally speaking, we know that human beings crave relationship. We are relationship-driven beings. As we know from Parshas Bereshis that, uh, you know, when Adam was um, created, he complained that he has nobody to be his companion, to have a relationship with. And of course, Hashem says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will create for you a helpmate. So we know that human beings are wired to want to have relationships. And at the same time, we know that relationships are the source of our greatest pleasure, but they also are the source of our greatest pain. And it's a real, really a double-edged sword. It's no wonder, by the way, that if a person um, does some tremendously terrible criminal act, one of the major punishments is solitary confinement. Mm. And that we know that in the Torah, too, when someone doesn't deserve to be with people, right? They get saras and they get sent out of the camp because if you can't, you know, see people in a good way, then you don't really deserve to be with people. So you need to correct that. But we know that there are stories of people who, when they're in solitary confinement, will literally make friends with a spider in the corner of the cell mm. just to be able to have somebody to take care of, to relate to, to talk to, because, again, that is considered one of the worst punishments is to not be able to be in relationship with anybody, mm. right? So um, I like this, I, I always like this saying, and I wasn't sure where it came from, but it turns out it comes from Linus in the Charles Schultz um, <laughs> comic strip, Charlie Brown. He said this wonderful quip where he said, you know, I love mankind, it's people I hate, you know. So that kind of sums up how difficult that relationships can be. So before we talk about relationships, I want to set up a model that will help us go more deeply into the subject and make it very clear in our minds. Okay, so basically, um, you think about relationships in your life as three concentric circles. There's circle one, circle two, and circle three, okay? Circle one are the people in your life that you do not choose. 
These are the people that Hashem has given you, meaning they're people in your family, they're your children, they're your relatives, they're your sister-in-law and your brothers, brothers-in-law. And these are the people that you choose. Now, um, these are can be the most difficult relationships because, of course, they're frequent, they're constant, and because you didn't choose them, um, you know, they can be difficult, right? Now, of course, we all think that we um, chose our husband, but the truth is, is that it doesn't take long after the wedding to realize, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> Sometimes, right? And so even your husband, according to Jewish thought, has been chosen for you, even though you went through the process of deciding yes or no, we know that Hashem arranges zivugim before a person's born. And there's a reason that they're in your circle one, and you did not really choose them, but they are among the people that you, you didn't choose, but Hashem says, these people are good for you in order to be able to work on yourself. Okay? They're going to provide the tikkun that you need and the growth that you need. Now, circle two are the people that we choose. Circle two are the people that we like. Circle two are the people that bring out the best in us. They're the people that we love to be with. They're the people that when we have time, extra time, we want to go for a walk with them, we want to meet them for coffee. They're just easy, and it's nice to be with them, okay? And they don't create a lot of problems. And of course, circle two people, you know, if it turns out that the relationship isn't going well, or you feel it's not worth it because it's too one-sided, you can say goodbye and hopefully leave it behind, okay, in some kind of way. Now, circle three people are people who come in and out of your life all the time. They're the guy who cuts you off in traffic. It's the lady behind the counter at Hermes or wherever you go. <laughs> you know, whatever. I know everybody has stories about the ladies behind the counter at Hermes. Isn't okay? amazing? <laughs> you know, they're the people that, you know, you interact with, the mailman, uh, you know, maybe the teachers at school, people that come in and out of your life that also let you know where you're holding in the terms... people that sell uh, windows and doors on your phone. They mm-hmm. count in that circle. Yeah, they could count. Sure, those duct yes. phone calls. Yes. Yes. Sure, yes. how you behave. Yes. Or even when mm-hmm. somebody who calls you puts a duck at like something real, right? The guy who knocks on your door and asks for tzedakah, right? And your inner reaction to that. So all of these different circles, right, are, are very, very interesting in terms of understanding who we are. So we were talking about the three concentric circles, and we were saying that the third circle are people who come in and out of your life. So um, the way we respond to these different circles, of course, changes in terms of intensity and frequency, right? We might tend to get angry or upset more often, obviously, with circle one people. And the intensity, again, it could be more with circle three people, because who cares about them? Right With other people, I hold it in. But with people out there in the world who I'm never going to see again, that's where I'm going to let it out. So intensity and frequency is just something to think about when it comes to your relationships in your life because we really want to try and take what we're talking about here and take it out into our day and into our life and really take homework with us and notice who are the people in those three circles 
that we tend to let it out with. Now, one of the goals of knowing that you've developed and grown is trying to treat your circle one people the way you treat your circle two people, okay? The circle two people who you choose, who you like, who you love for whatever reason, who you only see their good points. And even when something comes up that you don't really like, you're willing to overlook because there's so much good there, right? There's so much reason for the relationship to continue that you'll be very forgiving and very overlooking, right? Whereas with your circle one people, maybe not, okay? With circle three people, maybe not, okay? So so one of the ways that we know that we've grown is to try and pick somebody in our circle one who we really have a hard time with and try to make them feel as if they're our circle two people. Because the truth is, is very often that circle one person, let's say a sister-in-law, right, who you just don't have a relationship with that's comfortable and it's always awkward and you just don't like her and you just feel like she mustn't like you. But sometimes the truth is, is when that person sees you interacting with circle two people, maybe at a celebration or at a wedding and they see you with your friends, inside they could be thinking, you know, I wish that we had that kind of relationship or I wonder why she seems so different when she's with those people than when she's with me. Like, why can't we enjoy that relationship? And they're almost looking on jealously when they see you having such a wonderful relationship with other people. So one of the ways that we can sort of um, gauge how we're doing is to take someone in our circle one and say, you know what, I'm going to try to treat them like a circle two person. And that's not easy. And of course, you have to put on a little bit of a show and you have to kind of get over whatever stuff you've got going on about them. And you've got to act. Because we know that in Judaism, we say that the external affects the internal. That putting something on, putting a smile on your face when you don't feel like it, or giving somebody something like your teenager when the last thing you want to do is do anything for them, <laughs> right? And it takes a tremendous effort because you just feel like you don't deserve a thing the way you talk to me and treat me, right? But you make yourself do it. So obviously that is flexing a muscle and it becomes easier and easier to do, okay? And it's not about the other person all the time because a lot of times other people don't deserve, but we have to be careful with um, not becoming hardened ourselves. Do you want to say something? Just that I think that there's a line between being righteous, as he put it, and being a sucker. So mm. when you've got somebody who is who does not deserve reward, I don't see why you need to give in if you can manage to be righteous. Now, I can't do that, but I'd like to do that. I would like to be righteous, but not be a sucker. Right. So we have to be careful because being a sucker is a very big part of our society that we learn that is, you know, it's a very difficult thing to define. Like you say, the line and the boundary between am I being a sucker or am I being bigger? Am I being a bigger person? Am I giving this person like Hashem does with us? You know, we call yes. Hashem the insulted king. In other words, we're slapping him and kicking him and saying, get out of my life. And he keeps pushing the button that gives us air to breathe and wakes us up every morning and keeps giving us all the good stuff. And at the same time, we're going, get out of my life. You know, take me to the mall and then get out of my life, right? So we have to be careful with that on the one hand. On the other hand, I will say that there are people, especially in circle one, who are constant offenders, okay? They're constantly doing things that, so to speak, deserve me to not want to give to them or not want to be with them or whatever it is. It's always very deep with first 
offenders. So that's why we have a number of different ways to go about uh, working on the relationship, okay? And not every way that we're going to talk about is the right one. You have to find the right one in your situation. Is that clear? Can we leave that for now? Yes. The other thing I wanted to say just about a, a musterbad as opposed to a inspirational talk, which is not what we're doing here, is, you know, like I said, a musterbad takes work, it's homework, it's something that we go over the concepts again and again. We come at it from all kinds of different angles so that we can really understand it. And hopefully we shift and we recognize that, you know, we can't control other people. It's only ourselves that we can control. And that's the real um, essence of happiness, is not being moved all the time by what other people do, but being able to be, have control. One of my favorite sayings, which I came upon as a teenager, is um, the saying, uh, there's no nobility in being superior to another person. True nobility comes in being superior to your previous self. Mm -hmm. And of course, we'd rather blame the other guy the same way, you know, we just read Homish Bereshis. We're wired to blame other people. <laughs> we are generally negatively wired to see the negative, especially with people that give us a hard time. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so we really have to work against it. You know, I love Sarah Hannah Radcliffe has this idea that I love that she says, you know, when you buy a book on Amazon, let's say you buy a book on craft making, right? So what happens the next time you go on your computer and you click for something else? Immediately 20 books come up on craft making, right? Because mm -hmm. Amazon knows that you are interested in craft making. So out of the millions of books out there in the world, they're going to target you with those craft making books because that's what you like, right? So she says it's the same way with negative thoughts. Okay, if you brain is constantly thinking negative thoughts about that person, about what happened, about my day, about this and that, it's basically like Amazon. So, so your brain says, you know, your brain says, oh, you like those negative thoughts? Here, have this one. Here's another one. How would you like this one? Would you like this thought? This is a good one too, right? And you just keep clicking on them, like, hmm, click, 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 right? And she said that the thing is, is you can change, right? As soon as you change, as soon as you go to a different book selection and pick another topic, Amazon will come in and say, oh, you like geography now. Okay, let me give you some geography books. So she's saying that we have that flexibility, that, that, um, that cerebral flexibility, once we realize it, that whatever we click on, whatever negative or positive thoughts we click on, we create an avalanche of more of those kind of thoughts. And so, you know, even being aware of our thoughts and realizing that you can change your brain through the thoughts that you think is very much a part of, in general, being in a musarbad and working on things. So this mida of hakpada is so negative that the Bali Musr in Judaism, the masters of character development, Musr means character development, say that it has to be get, gotten rid of the way you get rid of chametz before Pesach. There should not be a crumb of it in you, okay? Because it is so toxic and so bad for you, forget about the other people, so bad for you that this is how they describe um that you need to get rid of it. Another point that they make, which is really interesting, is that women tend to have this nida more than men do. Women tend to have this. Why? 
because women are more emotional. Women are very relationship oriented. We really put ourselves into our relationships and we invest a lot and we put our heart in and we put our soul in. And I'm not saying it's a clull everywhere, but generally speaking, women are hurt more and upset more and more wounded if something doesn't go right. I mean, even in male-female relationships out there in the world, in the secular world, we know that, you know, the men don't suffer nearly as much as the woman who's been in a, what she thought was a meaningful relationship, but it turns out to be very external and not deep. So women tend to go for depth. And uh, anyway, so we do have sometimes a harder time with getting rid of the hurt and the pain that other people caused us because of our investment. Now it's interesting, what does the Torah say is the definition of hating somebody? How do you know you hate somebody? So the halacha actually is that if you avoid somebody out of animosity for three days, then you hate them. Okay, and obviously it doesn't have to be three consecutive days, but the idea is is that if you see that person and you're on one side, you know, they're walking towards you on the same side of the street and you quickly cross over or, you know, you're willing to jump into a garbage can <laughs> rather than, you know, rather than see them, right? Or, you know, whatever, you just cannot be in the same room with them without your heart beating and hyperventilating, okay? It means that you have not, that, that there is something called hatred, okay? Whatever the definition of that is, that hasn't, that is still resting there. Okay, and our job again is that we can't do that because it says, Lo sisna asachicha, you can't hate your brother bilvavecha in your heart, but sedek tishvodamisacha, with righteousness you should judge other people, etc., etc. So we have to try and work on it. Now there are people, yeah. Sorry, I have a question. Yes. What if someone's avoiding someone because they find that person hurtful, so it's like a self-protection. Is that is there a distinction? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, so I was going to say it's it's one thing if you know this person is just going to say something that's going to hurt you and they just are tactless and they don't know how to behave. Or it could even be somebody who's a nudnik, right, that you know that like if I stay on the same side of the street and we meet, this is going to be a two-hour conversation <laughs> and I have places to go and people to see. So no, there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, this person is toxic. Mm -hmm. Every time I have an interaction with them, I always walk away feeling like, what? Like, what? how could they say that? Like, I would never say that to somebody. I would never be so tactless. I would never be so nosy. I would never be so whatever, right? And so, yes, you don't have to be in relationship with everybody, and you can certainly protect yourself, and you can certainly... But it's different when it's a real mm -hmm. hatred that you, you know, are not acknowledging that, you know, it's not just about that this person has issues and I'm not, I'm just going to protect myself, okay? All right, so let's talk about sort of this last point that I want to talk about is why is it so important to work on Hakpada? Why is it so important? So there's a number of reasons, okay? I'm going to give you five reasons why it would be very dangerous to ignore these internalized feelings of internalized anger, resentment, these negative feelings that you have in your heart, these bearing grudges, etc., it would be very not good to ignore it. So number one is that um, 
obviously, if somebody's hurt you, right, you did them a favor, you drove carpool, you went out of your way for their kid, you asked them to do something, and they say, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't have any time. And this is repeatedly, that they just never can seem to do you a favor back. You invited them for Shabbos, you know, five times, and they still haven't invited you back. And they come eagerly all the time, right? You invited them to your Simcha, and for some strange reason, you did not get an invitation to theirs, but they want you to be part of the Sheva Bracha. Somebody calls you up and says, hey, you want to be part of so-and-so Sheva Brachas, right? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? So the point is, is, you know, there's all these reasons, but the moment that you feel this sting, this ouch, and you realize, oh my God, this really hurts, the reason that it's dangerous to ignore it is basically what I said earlier, that you'll come to hate the person over time. It'll become deeper and deeper. And you'll transgress the mitzvah from the Torah of don't hate your brother in your heart. Okay. Number two, another reason not to, to, to ignore your feelings is because then you don't leave any room for rectification. In other words, if the other person doesn't know that I'm upset, then how are we ever going to work this out? How are we ever going to dissolve this? How are we ever going to crumble this, 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 you know, building that I started to build in my heart against you? Can, can we accept that some relationships yeah. will not be rebuilt? Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially, I want to make a caveat here. If you have any really old toxic relationships that have just kind of been building up for years. So Dina Schoonmaker, whose work, this is where I get it from, and she's a psychologist as well, she recommends not going there, not trying to fix that. Mm -hmm. But what this is really about everyday fresh things that are happening, what we want to get into the habit of is whenever we feel that ouch, whenever we feel that, oi, I can't believe they said that did that, we want to try and crumble it right away before it becomes hard like a rock, before it builds up into something mm -hmm. that's impossible to break down, because we don't want it. We don't need it. Because like I'm going to say, you know, the Gemara says that a person who has, who, who gets rid of Hakpada has a much longer life. And it's medically proven that people with a lot of anger have a lot more physical ailments because of the negative energy that Hakpada creates. Hakpada creates negative energy. It takes up space in your life. It's draining, okay? So we need to crumble the new ones and and also not build on the old ones anymore. Just leave them alone, okay? Um, there's two sources in the Gemara. It says in Tainus Kaf, they ask a rabbi, how did you live such a long life? And he said, I never had Hakpada inside my house, meaning... I never had standards in my house that were hard to live up to. Because what does the word hakpada mean? It comes from the word makpid, right? Makpid so means... How do you spell it in Hebrew? Yeah, makpid, mem kuf, peyodala, right? It means makpid. I'm makpid on that. I'm meticulous about that. That's my standard. That's what I expect everybody else. I expect everybody else to have my standards. I'm muckpeed on that, okay? So that could be a good trait. I'm muckpeed to pay my help on time every week. I would never let her go without her paycheck every week, right? That's a good kind of muckpeed. But, you know, I'm muckpeed that people should acknowledge 
and appreciate and say thank you to every good thing I do, well, that's going to be a very difficult standard that you may have to let go of if you want to be a happy person, okay? Uh, so countless times when studying mitzvahs, I've often pondered, why do we not have more specific instructions about how to raise our children? Because I will be mukbed on certain things for myself, and I can be lenient with people, even in my first circle, but I want my children to have my standards. I want them to have... You know, I, 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 I have so what do we say? What do we, right what, but what do we always say about parenting? That even if they're not doing what you do, the more you model the behavior, right. yes, they will eventually be imitating you. Okay, so when they see you saying, "Thank you so much, mommy," you know, whenever you visit Bubby, and oh, mom, can I help you clean up? Oh, I'm sorry, we left this mess. Let me put up the whatever it is, right? You can know, right, when you're honored, when you're modeling <clears throat> Kibbut of the aim, you can pretty much bet that's how you're going to be treated and the opposite. Mm -hmm. So with anything with parenting, whenever we do direct instruction, we generally lose. Oh, not that again. Don't tell me to say thank you. It's so embarrassing. I'm 14 already, mom. And don't tell me to say hi. Did you say hi? Did you say bye? Did you say, thank you? Did you say this? You know, I still do that. My kids are 30. Like, you oh, know, good. My yeah. kids are younger. And still do. <laughs> no, you know, and my and my daughter's like, Ema, I'm a grown-up. Like, don't tell me to say thank you, you know? I'm just saying the point is, is we know that the greatest instruction is modeling your standards, what you want, as opposed to telling people, right? Yeah. Now, once in a while, you can get away with saying something nicely if it doesn't have that <clears throat> in your voice. Because everybody knows that you can be saying the most wonderful thing, but if there's any little tinge oh, yeah. of, and you know why I'm telling you this? Because you're driving me crazy. Yeah. Okay? It's not going to be macabre because we know what's in the heart. The other, it's like a mirror, right? It's like mm -hmm. uh, looking, like it says, but I don't know the pasuk, but just like the, your heart is, that's how the other heart receives it. The way you look into the water and see yourself, etc. So we're going to get to that because that is one of the tools, tochacha, which means having a conversation. And we're going to talk about that, but, but, but we're not going to talk about that today. I'm just giving an introduction today. Now, the interesting thing, so we said being makpid is about, you know, um, having certain standards and expecting people to raise themselves up to my standards. And nothing... But that is good enough, okay? So we know the source of it, okay? It says in, um, it says Rav Yisrael of Salant, who was the creator of the Muster movement, said that, oh, oh, I said this already. He, well, basically he says about Hakpada that I looked at it from all sides and I've never found anything good about it, okay? Um, okay. Um, so, we did number two, that if you don't know, if you don't allow the person to know you're upset with them and you pretend everything's okay, which is really what Hakpada is too, it's a certain type of passive-aggressive tendency where you pretend everything's okay, and sure, it's fine that, you know, you can't take my kid for carpool even though I've taken your kid ten times, and you, instead of having a conversation, you... Hold on to this anger. Okay, number three is, the truth is, is when you do this, you might feel really good, almost like a martyr, that, you know what? I held my anger in, and I'm not. And you actually don't even realize that you are developing a buildup of anger. 
because you're kind of like patting yourself on the back that, you know, I was really upset and I wanted to tell that person off and I wanted to say to them, you know, I can't believe you did this. But you know what? I'm not going to do that because I'm a bigger person. But it's not that you really got rid of your anger and resentment. It's that you want to feel like I'm better than you and I'm bigger than you. And so I'm not going to say anything. You haven't really worked on it. Okay. Number four is, you know, when it comes to internalized anger, as opposed to chaos, where you just like scream at your kid in the grocery store, no, you can't have that. And everybody watches you and they go like, well, that lady's crazy, right? (laughs) Or your kid's taking a tantrum, you know, and you like don't know how to handle it. Okay. So chaos, obviously we don't say it's a good meta. It's externalized anger, but it's a lot better than the second type of anger, which is epitomized by Hakpada, which is the passive aggressive type of anger. We're going to talk more about it, where it's internalized, where you could be smiling and pretending everything's okay. But the other person is kind of like, they know something's not right. Okay. Because again, what's in your heart goes to the other person. Another interesting thing is the word Hakpada. The root of the word Hakpada is the word Kipud, which is a porcupine. Oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So Hakpada, um, the nature of Hakpada is, I'm smiling. No, it's fine. It's okay. It's great. It's wonderful, right? But it, yeah, but inside the other person's feeling like, oh my God, like, like, I, you know, you can't fool me. You're saying something, but you're feeling something else. And people know that, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk more about the different types of anger in the next class. But basically, we know based on the Torah, you know, one of the praises of Yosef's brothers in the whole episode with all of the sibling rivalry is, you know, it says there that, Rashi says there that the brothers didn't hide their feelings for uh, their, for Yosef. Mm-hmm. And they said to him what they felt in their hearts. And that was considered a praise, right? That they didn't, they weren't two-faced. They didn't mm-hmm. pretend mm-hmm. that we like you, but we really hate you. Mm-hmm. And that's considered a proper thing. Because once you do that, you lose total touch with your inner workings and with the fact that you have work to do. And you just cover it over with layers and layers, again, of toxic mm-hmm. anger and resentment that you want to get rid of, like Hamas before Pesach. You don't want to create another building there. You want to crumble it immediately, okay? Um, so we said, you know, somebody who, who, who holds it in, like, unlike externalized anger, they're not embarrassed because nobody sees that they're angry and they can come out looking like a nice guy. And it's the other person who's a creep, right? I'm the nice guy. I, I didn't get angry. I didn't do anything. Look at him. He's going crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm just smiling and going, yeah, it's fine. Sure, whatever, right? Okay. And we already said number five that the Gemara says that a person who, um, works not to have hakpada, medically speaking, will, um, improve their, their quality of their life, their quantity of their life, etc. Okay, I'm just going to end just to let you know that we are going to have five different tools that we're going to be using to work on Hakpada. Okay? And um, just to give you an idea, the first one is called Vitor, which is internal resolution. Nobody even knows that you're working on it. It's totally taking place inside yourself, Right? And it involves, again, lowering your standards for this person because that's the only way I'm going to get over it. 
I'm not going to be makpid. I'm not going to measure them. We're going to talk about it. There are people who go around life with a measuring stick, okay? And with this measuring stick, they're constantly measuring. I did this for you. You didn't quite get there for me. I made a beautiful party and a tea and everything. And then we went to so-and-so's house and all she puts out is water. Next week okay. we'll be seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the point is, is there are people who go around with a measuring stick. You know, I did this, you didn't do this. I, you almost did it. They're always measuring, right? So people who are always measuring are always going to come out short. Because whoever's doing the measuring always comes out on top. Okay, who's ever doing the counting, who does what more, who took out the garbage more, who did that, they're always hustling, they're always lacking. Okay, so just a little idea there is Vitor means that I'm going to drop the measuring stick and I'm going to walk away. And this is something that takes place totally internally. Nobody knows you're doing it, but you're doing it for your good health and you're doing it so that you don't hate your brother in your heart and you don't bear grudges and it can work very well. Not so easy with constant offenders. But it can work with one-time, two-time, three-time offenders, okay? The second one is called Tochacha, which we all know about. It's about having a direct conversation with the other person in a way that there's no, I know, nobody likes doing that. We all hate that. We're going to talk about why we have such resistance to doing that based on our own childhood memories, based on people who were bigger than us accusing us of things that we didn't do, and all kinds of reasons that having that direct conversation often makes things worse, right? And especially if it's intermingled, again, which what I said, where you've got a smile on your face and you think you're saying it so nicely and the words are perfect, but that other person feels that in your heart there is hatred. You know, the bottom line is, you know why I really want you to stop this? Because you're driving me up the wall. Okay? And it's not about you. It's really about me. I mean, I want to help you because you realize that this behavior is driving everybody crazy. But, you know, ultimately, I'm telling you this in a way that, you know, you are driving me crazy. And unless it's coming from a real place of love and a real place of, I really want to help you, this has nothing to do with me. This is in your best interest for your future, for the way you're going to get received through life, for your success in life, etc., etc. Very, very difficult to do. Way back in Rabbi Akiva's time, they said nobody could give tochacha properly. The Chazonish, for sure, who just lived in this century, uh, said that nobody can give tochacha today, so therefore we are putter from the mitzvah of tochacha, even though it says in the Torah, you are obligated to rebuke your fellow Jew, and then right after that it says, and you should love him. Okay, so they follow each other. Um, but because we are so small today, and we have a very difficult time doing it with love, and not out of, you know, annoyance and anger, um, we are mostly, but we're still going to go through it because we have to learn the tools anyway. Because there are times when it actually can work. And so it's important to learn the tools. I was going to just add something. I read yeah. somewhere how when you have one of the, there's a book called, I think it's called Crucial Conversations or Confrontations. It's supposed to be excellent. But also I read that how you start a conversation, that first opening sentence is key to how the whole thing's going to go, whether it's a meeting, whether you're problem solving. Like if you start off with, you know, like, I'm upset because like, let's say you're doing a group project, you know, you're not doing your part and I'm doing all the work. You, you, and you, 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 you. you. Yeah. No, but if it's more like, you know, let's talk about, 
you know, let's talk about how we can work together. Like if you're focusing on the team bit mm. and you set the stage, the mm. opening sentence sets the yeah, stage that's very and important. it's so crucial how right. it's received it's true. and how things and go. And we're going to see so much has to do with your language. For example, you can say to your kid, I really like the way you cleaned up your room, but... You take out the bus. Right? So once you say but, it's like everything you just said it's before negated. is negated. totally negated. Yeah. So you have to say, I really like the way you cleaned up your room and yes. it would be also wonderful if you put your shoes away. Yeah. And okay. instead of butts. Right. Yeah. So there's all kinds of tricks and we're going to look, learn about them, but that's a very interesting book. It sounds like maybe, yeah. could it, do you have it? Yeah. Monty could has you it. bring it? Yeah, I'd bring love it. to read it yeah, and yeah. just add stuff to yeah, it. Yeah, for here. sure. Okay. The next thing we're going to, uh, the next tool is humor. Funnily enough, Jewish, very Jewish thing, but to laugh about certain people that just are never going to change. About humor? Of course. Yeah. Tons. Of course. Oh, wow. You know that story about the people in the marketplace and somebody pointed at them, Eliel and Avi or something, and said, those two guys are going to Olam Haba, to the highest place. And the guy he was tying to couldn't believe it because these guys were a bunch of jokesters. They were like walking around, like telling Ooh. jokes. They go, what is so great about them? And, he, and they said, because people who make other people happy are very, very high. But we're not really talking about that kind of ha-ha humor. We're talking about lightening up. We're talking about people who come into our world that they're just not going to change. They're always going to be tactless. They're always going to step on your toe and other people's toe because that's just the way they're wired. So instead of getting really intense about it and like, oh, I can't stand it, you know, there's a place for humor where you just, you, you, you don't devalue the person. You say this is the way they are, and you laugh about it in a nice way. Like, you laugh as opposed to cry or get angry. You leave it at that because you say this person is, you know, they were born this way. What's your excuse, right? That kind of thing. Okay, and the last, I just want to get to the last two, and then we're going to stop for today. The fourth one is Emuna. So Emuna, just in a general way, is instead of looking at that other person and saying, why are you doing this to me? You have to look up and say, why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why did you put this person in my life? Mm -hmm. Why? Why do I need this? Right? And you have to take it from a very physical, material level to where it properly belongs, which is that everybody in our lives and people we interact with are hand-picked, like we said, mm -hmm. whether chosen or not chosen, whether third concentric circle or not, to let us have a barometer of where we're holding in terms of our own self-growth, right? Whether we're pushing other people down to feel greater or whether we're actually doing the hard work of standing on a chair and getting ourselves up and doing the work that it takes to become a more evolved person, okay? And the last one is tefillah. Tefillah, which is always, you know, we always go to it as a last resort, but it can very often be a first resort. And I'm going to tell you stories about you know, impossible people at work or wherever who you just pray, like either get rid of them, like yeah. whatever. <laughs> I hope they're going to get fired soon because they're just <laughs> impossible. They're just such, you know, or whatever. Just pray, please, Hashem, I have to deal with this person again today. You know, how am I going to do this? What are we going to do about this person? How can we you know, and whatever, and stories about, well, Dina Schoolmaker works at Michala, she's been there for a hundred years, and she tells a story about a, a teacher who was really detrimental to the girls, a couple of, of maybe rabbis even, and it was a case where she really couldn't do anything about it, and she just started dovening, and she said it was unbelievable, but 
both of them were like not soon after let go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so a lot of times we forget about tefillah, but tefillah is hishtadlut. It is a way of making an effort and we forget about it. We think it's like the last resort, but we know Yaakov Avino, when he was preparing to meet Esav, it was one of the top three, right? He mm -hmm. prepared for, to fight, he sent presents, and then he davened. And they were the top three, and they were all equally important strategies. So anyway, okay, so that's it for today. That's our introduction. And we'll continue and come back to it, 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 back. Hope you enjoyed this class. To sponsor a future class or for a complimentary and completely confidential coaching session with me as I support you in reaching your goals and actualizing your true potential, please email me at DeborahVale at Yahoo.ca. That's Deborah, D-E-V-O-R-A-H, Vale, V-A-L-E, at Yahoo.ca. 